When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letitia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Kevin Amoskonish Milton. Find me on Twitter at Amoskonish. And me, Ray Hunt. You can find me on at Ray Hunt 84. Follow the show on at Number Podcast on Twitter. And on Facebook, Instagram, and Telegram on In That Number Podcast. Email us with your thoughts and feelings on In That Number Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, consider sharing your support by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash In That Number. Let's march on in. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number, part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 223. Uh, Today, we get to discuss our record-breaking game against Swansea City. Uh, A 3-1 win saw us extend the streak to 20 league games, a new record set, 21 games in all competitions, a complete first-half performance, followed up by a second-half DOS. Uh, But three points see us move back up to second spot, uh, we'll also be on hand to preview next week's fourth round FA Cup tie at Vicarage Road, where Watford awaits. Uh, no Tim today, as he's on his holidays, but me and the Moscow Mish are joined by a substitute. Um, before I introduce him, uh, let's get in Kevin. Uh, Kevin, say hello. Hello. Uh, bring in Cheryl Baker, the team is a record breaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Is this, is this the way it's going to go? How have you been this week, though? No news, good news, I suppose. Good stuff. But yes, we have a we have a special guest. We have a, a substitute for Tim, a friend of the show, Will Green or Greener on our Discord. So, uh, Will, welcome along. It's great to finally get you on. It's it's been a long time coming. Yeah, no, it's great to be on, and I think um, let's hope that I do a Ryan Fraser and not Jack Stevens miss sub appearance. Yeah, let's let's all hope for that. Tell us about yourself, like what it is that you actually do. I do everything. Uh, I do everything all the time, uh, <laughs> which is why why I'm always ill. But no, I'm uh, so I, I work in predominantly in marketing. I'm a sales marketing director for a large dog food company, which is interesting. But I spent most of my career in, in the music industry with places like the, the Ministry of Sound uh, and um, Broadway Records and all sorts. So having a good good time doing that i currently have a business as well where i help people with their marketing but it's more of like kind of i'm going to be doing those videos and i'm going to be doing a podcast at some point so i'm looking to pick up a few tips from you guys oh jesus oh no so if, if you want to succeed in podcasting, <coughs> yeah. don't get any advice from us <laughs> well i don't know you're doing a good job um maybe you maybe your marketing background could help our show in some way well yeah i mean maybe we could uh we could do a, do an episode sometime about just marketing podcasts. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. collab. But yeah, yeah. Um, you also used to work at St Mary's, I believe. 
I did. Yeah, it was it was a long time ago. And and to be honest, I had to last night I had to work out when it was. Um, and it was around about 2005 that I was working there. 2005 to 2007, I think. I'd already um, left the... by then. I, I think I left in 2003, I think. Oh, really? So, yeah, mm. I, I worked there for a few years around that kind of time. Um, and I used to be a, um, be a steward, but I, I did a lot of player security as well. Um, so I got to know a few of the players around that time. Um, and, yeah, in- interesting stories from around then. They would have <laughs> needed the security around that time. <laughs> yeah, some of the players they, they didn't need script. No. <laughs> I bet you do have some great stories from your stewarding days. I bet. I do, I do. I've got a few. Uh, I I've got some longer ones, some shorter ones, and uh, I don't know. I think there is one that's a bit of a jewel in the crown, though. And uh, if 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 you want it, <laughs> yeah, of course we do. Yeah, bring it on. Okay, okay. So I was. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm salivating. <laughs> Well, you can rate it afterwards. Um, uh, basically, I was, I was, I was um, predominantly a steward for the disabled department, but I was um, in Northern. And when it kicked off, particularly in the away end, they'd pull stewards in. I'm sure you, you've seen it before in the stadium mm-hmm. where yeah, the stewards will come line up in front of the pitch. That's usually when there's like, you know, you, they think that maybe there's people going to try and get on the pitch. So um, I got called over, come stand in front of um, the Birmingham fans. It was a game where it was kind of to and fro. There were some kind of questionable decisions by the referee and the Birmingham City, uh, City fans were kicking off like quite badly. Um, Kenwin they Jones, always do. Yeah, they do. They're, they were quite renowned. You know, there, there were certain teams around that time we were always warned about, like Millwall, Leeds, Birmingham and stuff. So so we, I, I got called over. I stood there with all the other stewards, um, kind of like, you know, doing my usual, trying to look at the stand while really just wanting to watch the game. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was really kicking off in the Birmingham City end. Um, I can't remember whether it was they scored or they just kicking off about something else. But as I stood there looking at the fans, something just flew kind of past my head and just kind of hit me on the side of the head. And it left a kind of like Vaseline type residue on my face as it did so. Um, I turned round and I and I saw that quite a large purple dildo had <laughs> had been thrown at me from the stand. Kev, you hit and, him. Uh, well done, mate. Yeah, I I I, I copped it. <laughs> and then obviously the the game was still going on and there was a purple dildo on the pitch and we didn't really know what to do. We were always told like there was only like a few people who were actually allowed to go on the pitch like during a game, you know. Um. Even like, you know, if a fan ran on or something. And so I was kind of like trying to get the attention of the, the lead steward for the for that area of um, of the stand, who just happened to be a, a, the only female lead um, for areas. And I was like, uh, there's something on the pitch. And she was like, all right, all right, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, no, no, no. It's something that needs to like, be brought off the pitch. And, um, and I think like it, a lot of people would had re- realised this and had seen it. And uh, so she kind of very tentatively had to walk on the pitch when the action was at the other end. And with with <laughs> the very, very tips of her fingers, pick it up and walk it off. Um, put it, and put the, it in her coat pocket. Yeah, to the to the <laughs> contraband room. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's crazy. You so the room again. Yeah. You dicked on and off the pitch. Well, we dicked them. We won. So, you know, there you go. 
Ah. <laughs> but like, I don't know what someone was thinking bringing that to a match. You know? I was going to ask that we were playing West Ham because they got a history of um, throwing dildos, haven't they? <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was, I don't know, is that my finest or least finest moment? I don't know. Sure, you do have a lot more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. not Maybe not dildos, but yeah. No, no, I mean, I think like, you know, I... Uh, the, the players that I did security for, and these are some names from the past, I, I guess. Like, we haven't spoken about a lot of these for a long time, but um, Rudy Scatchell, Brad, yep. Brad Phillips, Nathan Dyer, uh, yeah. all those guys. That was the kind of era that I was um, that I was, I was at, the, at, at the club looking after. Nice lads. All of them really, really nice. Yeah, there, there wasn't actually, like, a, a player that I didn't get on with. And, and I don't think it ever came across. I don't, I don't know. Like, Bradley Wright Phillips is absolutely hilarious. So... When like he he would be waiting yeah. for Nathan Dyer because Nathan Dyer was always late for everything all the time, <laughs> and um and he would just have like you know a group of uh, stewards and security guards in absolute hysterics because he was just he just was uh, a bit of a motor mouth but like really funny guy and that was around the time I don't know if you remember that they got in a bit of trouble. Uh, yes, yes, I do. It was wasn't it to do with like the cloakrooms and 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 the coats and and the, the thefts and yeah yeah I, I think that potentially got blown out of proportion a little bit um yeah obviously they were doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing but i don't think they were actually like stealing not not serious about it but yeah of course it got it got blown out of proportion it's, i think it's one of those things where you know you go out the back and you swap people's coats around and you cause a bit of mischief not that you're actually trying to steal anything mm. did you see recently on twitter that um adam armstrong and uh, who they, they were tying um his shoes to his car and that sort of thing Oh, no. Ryan Fraser's car. Ryan Fraser's car, yeah. Armstrong and um, Stewie and somebody else. Taylor Hardwood Bellis, I think it was. Hardwood Bellis, that's right. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I mean, like, I think like it's quite well known that there's a lot of banter in you know, the dressing room, and you know that those guys are a tight knit, so they do they do do stuff like that quite quite a lot. And um, it's difficult when you're a steward mm. or when you're in, in security or anything that you get caught up in it a little bit. Try not to get involved. <laughs> Oh no, that's that's great. It is good. To they, do, they do have a laugh with it and stuff, and it's um not not one hundred percent serious all the time. It's um it's great. I mean, it's the same in any job, and it you just have a have a laugh with your mates and definitely yeah yeah. Like later on, I uh I I ended up helping uh the Billy Sharp with uh with his um his charity on the marketing side. So Billy and Jade, I uh, I, I helped out with it and um. So I got a, a couple of times I got uh, some free tickets to come watch watch Saints, but I was in the family end, so I'd sit with like Billy's parents and um, Steve Davis's family and all sorts and Jason Punchin's mates and all that. And yeah, it was it was really good. It was funny hearing the perspective because when Billy's out of the team, his parents are not waxing lyrical about uh, <laughs> about Ricky Lambert. They're, that um, that yeah. does surprise me. Yeah, it is. It is. You see a different side of it, and it was funny. Like I met. Uh, I met Steve Davis's family the day that he signed, like, well, not the day he signed, but the, de- the, the day of his debut. I said, oh, you know, what, what's he like? Is he like a good player? And he's like, oh, you know, he's very honest and very, he's a lovely guy and all this kind of stuff. And I was thinking, what kind of player is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what mm. he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's lovely, but, you know. <laughs> he's good to his parents. He loves his dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, Swansea City then uh, the the unbeaten run it rolls on to a record-breaking 21 games in all competitions, but more importantly, three points uh, second in the table for a little bit longer than we were last time. Uh, Kevin, uh, I know it's a cliche, but 
game of two halves? Yeah, very much so. I mean, normally we in first half there's normally the weaker of the two, isn't it? Yeah. And this time it was completely the other way around. We pretty much had it done and dusted by half time, and then really struggled our way through the second half. Yeah, Will, was it was it more a case of, of Saints switching off or Swansea just up in their game? When the second half started, I thought, wow, Swansea are really really have up their game because I think. Like their strikers in the first half and their attacking players, they they just weren't tracking back like they should have been. Um, I noticed a couple of times in the later part of the first half that like Jamal Lowe and other players were just kind mm. of yeah yeah they were just like let leave, you know Cole Capitas was going to run he just like let him go, and um and I thought in the second half they were really focused on trying to keep their possession and you know they're hunting our our players down when they're on the ball and all sorts. So yeah, I, d- I definitely think they stepped up, but you can't you can't not say that you know Saints did lack that kind of intensity in the second half and that like desire. Both, wasn't it? Really then? Just yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Switch off from both accounts and stuff, but yeah. All right, we're more on that game in a sec. But um, if you want to show your support to us, uh, you can buy us a coffee on uh, Buy Me a Coffee dot com forward slash in that number um, and our discord always welcome to anyone come and join us in there just send us a message if you're interested and we'll get you in uh right then fellas uh should we do some itn news do it let's go this is itn in that number news Okay, there's, there's only one place to start, and that's the, the proposed changes to St. Mary's, the Northern Wall, the Northern Red and White Wall, whatever. I don't know, the Northern Wall, it sounds like a good name for a podcast, doesn't it? There we go, Northern Wall. Um, the plan to make the Northern yeah. Ends 100% home. Uh, this is a long time coming. Uh, lo- lots of happy fans. Uh, also, there's going to be uh, safe standing spaces in that end. Uh, that's what the Premier League have been pushing for anyway. But there are going to be a few people that aren't too happy about it. Me, personally, I think it is all about the fans, and it's what the fans want, so ultimately that that should happen. We've been hearing for so long that the away fans seem to get an advantage at St Mary's, and it's not like that at any other ground in the country. Uh, But I don't think it's been an issue this season. I don't really feel like the away fans have been making that much noise to to put us off our game. Um, And, you know, the the Northern stand currently is the loudest. I know the the, the Itchen North will have something to say about that. But if you spread out, those that small section of the northern stand won't that dampen the atmosphere somewhat and and then of course there's the issue of moving you know the the, the away fans to the current family stand and i don't know how that's going to work upon entering and, and exiting the stadium i mean will you're probably going to know a little bit more about the policing of it of, of, of what's going on stewards wise but you know, yeah the, sur- the surrounding areas outside i mean i enter and exit towards that family stand now so I, I don't know how this is going to work. But what, what are your thoughts on this whole, this whole change? I think, you know, it's, from my time at the club, it was like definitely acknowledged that the, the away fans shouldn't be behind the goal, that um, it gives an unfair advantage. And there was all, all sorts of like comments about, you know, it kind of negates when, you, when they have the coin toss at the beginning, um, because it's kind of like, well, you know, there isn't the clear advantage uh, for, for the home side when, when, that, when that's there. In terms of like what... what what like fans might not see is that, you know, within Northern, you've got that obviously the stand is 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 separated from other um, stands, and then within that concourse, you've got uh, gates that drop down, mm-hmm. so that when there's different um, allocations, you know, you can you can put the gates down within the concourse at different yeah. places. 
and of course there's then like the fence that's in that's in place between uh it's north and northern and then uh you know they can drop that that mesh down at different places depending on what allocation they've given away um what i noticed though is sometimes you know when when clubs don't take such a big allocation you've got like the really rowdy part of northern and then you've got a bunch of people sat down not really know what's happened because they're maybe not regulars to that area and they're copping it from the uh the away fans and they're not really ready for that <laughs> a bit shell-shocked i think sometimes <laughs> but that that will change won't it and especially if they put them yeah. over the other end and you know the, the family stand i don't know what's going to happen with that but there are calls for it to be moved to the kingsland north corner by the by the northern there um, I don't know if that's a bad... Personally, Kev, I think that would be a better place to put the away fans, don't you? Just to get them out and to the coach park. It would be a lot easier from that end of the pitch. What, sticking in the Kingsland? Yeah, Kingsland North, like right up as, as far as they can go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really see the the point in it all, to be honest. Um, like when we went on that stadium tour that we went on, um, our tour guide said that, um, yeah... All of these talks that have been rumbling on for years about um, moving the away friends from the northern. It's never going to happen because yeah. all of the infrastructure is built so that um, the away fans are channeled into to that part of the stadium. Like Will said, yeah, all of the um, internal structures and everything. They got that big camera array and everything, and the the policing routes in and out of the stadium. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how they're going to manage it from the Kingsland. It's, it's going to be a massive chat. It's going to have to be off season, isn't it? They're going to have to do it. Well, the, the, the our proposed plans oh, yeah. are at the start of next season, and it's going to be it's going to be a big undertaking, isn't it? It's not just going to be. It's not a case of just yeah, just just stick them over there. It's going to take a lot to get yeah, it, it right. Is it worth it? You know, I mean, I don't. You know, the advantage is going to be so minimal. Um, I don't know though, said, because uh, I mean, you look at you look at the cop, you look at the Stretford ends. Uh, it's 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 known all around the the, the country. W- why can't we have that as well? I, I, I can see it from both points of view. If you just get that whole northern red and white, it will be intimidating. Is, is this something that you can get on board with, Will? Is it something that you're excited about, or are you, are you look more like Kevin? Are you just like let's just not bother with it? It's just too much, and it's not going to really make that much of a difference. Personally, I'm all for it. I think there is a huge infrastructure change, though. Mm. I don't think that it's just it's not it's not a case of just moving the fans, you know. And obviously, like people that have their season tickets in certain places are going to lose those seats. Yeah, I was so worried that, when I first heard it. I thought, shit, they're going to move them over to where I am. Because <laughs> let's face it, my my, my section is quiet. Um, and I thought that would probably be that's what they're going to do because you know instead of moving the family, they can just move the the quiet lot at the itch in south. But um, yeah, I mean it, there's there's obviously dynamics in the stadium that, um, that have kind of you know nobody said when they when they made St Mary's you know that this section had to be loud and this section had to be quiet. But I think um, the the bigger thing for me is the safe standing areas. Mm. You know, safe standing is absolutely necessary i mean i think it's it's a joke as just as a steward because you know you come in you get training you're told about all of the fires all of the crushing incidents that have happened over the years and and this is why and, and then the hooliganism and all sorts this is why you can't drink in the stadiums this is why you can't stand in the stadiums and um in areas of the stadiums you've got stewards who their job for the whole of the game is just to try and get people to sit down and they're just up and down that that um you know that that 
like stands just to mm. telling people to sit down, which is such a waste of t- time. It, it's all in. It's all because you can't legally just let people stand up in a seated area. So then, you know, there'll be uh, safe standing areas where people can stand up. That would just, you know, that would be a thing that they can do that. Um, I guess that the only argument is that with the move of the uh, we, we, of the of the away end is that if you know they they the safe standing area can't be as big as they want it because they want it to be the whole of Northern, then the infrastructure changes is all just part of that. But it, I, I personally don't think that they will move the away end for next season. I think they'll put the safe standing areas in and that mm-hmm. will just be something that we discuss again in a year's time. <laughs> wow. Wow. We'll see. I, I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, I suppose that's a, you, you mean to just to phase it in and out a little bit more, but just the, the most important thing right now is safe standing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, if you made uh, half of Northern safe standing, I think, you know, great. Does the safe standing actually in- increase the capacity? I don't think so. I, I think it's the same capacity. It's just that obviously when you remove the chairs um, and then you put the bars, the bars in, mm-hmm. you kind of have almost like designated spots. I've never been to a, a stadium that has like that form of safe standing. I've been to like grounds like Aldershot where you've got standing areas, but, and you know, there's a kind of a, a capacity for that area of the stand, but there's not actually designated standing spots as it were, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of that around in, in the, in the uh, lower leagues, isn't there? Just a uh, little yeah. tiny stands and the rest of it just uh, stand where you want. But yeah, but, I mean, snow stadiums like that, isn't it? Kind of standing all around it. And then you've got those little stands, uh, the uh, either end of the pitch. When when you have a certain capacity, uh, that's when the law comes in. But yeah, I was I was surprised by the facilities at Snow Stadium. I thought it was, it was a nice little stadium. I love it. Yeah, lovely. Mm. Right, I'm going to catch up with Joe Rebo in Afcon. Uh, two games down for Nigeria. Disappointing mm. opening game, Kevin. One-one draw against that powerhouse Equatorial Guinea. Um, <laughs> Arebo started yeah. on the bench and, and came on for the last 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, didn't help them at all. Uh, second game, they won one nil over the hosts, Ivory Coast, where he played no part. <laughs> uh, their mm. last group game is against Guinea-Bissau, who have uh, who've lost both their games actually, and they currently sit second in the table, Nigeria. So uh, Equatorial Guinea can have a top in that group. Weird, isn't it? Mm. You would have thought Ivory um, Coast, Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea, yeah, and uh, Equatorial Guinea are top in the group. Well, fair play to them. Yeah, it's been quite a few surprises in the Sapcon so far. Joe Rothwell. Well, me and Kev, uh, we discussed him last week uh, briefly. Yeah. Uh, firstly, I just want to ask, what, what do you make of the signing? I'm actually a big fan of it. What I think, uh, you know, that I think when you have like certain players in, in your side and you know, we, we play these kind of like three um, centre midfielders. And that means that, you know, when you're when you're needing that many players, you kind of need, you know, if, if you're talking about a, a right back, you need a right back um, as backup. When you have uh, three players of, of a certain type, and I know they all are different types of centre midfielders, I think mm-hmm. you have a big risk if you have like injuries um, to that depth. So I'm a big fan of that, and I think he's obviously highly rated by um, by the Blackburn fans, highly rated by a lot of uh, Bournemouth fans uh, from from last last season, yeah. not so much this season. Um, so I think it's a great addition, but I still think the priorities are elsewhere. And I think it creates a really interesting dynamic about loan signings because obviously that's our last loan slot. Yeah. And I was adamant that, you know, um, that, that that meant we were either going to be buying Ryan Fraser or, you know, we were going to be uh, <laughs> returning Mason Holgate with receipt. And um, 
I I get the feeling that Mason Holgate isn't going to go back because I don't know if there was a there was a Russell Martin presser that was about 12 minutes long yesterday after the game, and he was very adamant that you know that nothing nothing's changed. He did acknowledge that you know Mason Holgate's uh, you know a bit miffed or has the right to be miffed to not be playing, but yeah, I think that he also said in that presser that Rothwell will be playing and making a big part in, in the Watford game. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, before we go into his performance and stuff for the Swansea game, I think, you know, that would be the time to judge him as well. Um, not really. This game was just gone. Oh, yeah. And actually on that, I mean, he did manage that cameo, didn't he? Just under 20 minutes of action. And I was going to ask what you what you what you made of the little that you saw. Uh, just incidentally, but Martin said that he's an eight, not a six. So he wants to play him in a more advanced role rather than a, than a defensive one. But yeah, I mean, he didn't uh, he didn't cover himself in glory. But he also that he came on at a time where Saints, the whole team, were playing poor, and Swansea yeah. were on the up. So it's difficult. It is really difficult to judge him in that amount of time because nobody was playing well. Um, but yeah, he has said that he will play against Watford. So uh, yeah. he did give the ball away a little bit. But again, it was just that the, the time of that he came on wasn't going to help him, was it? I think everybody was giving the ball away quite a lot in the game, actually, even in the first half. But uh, the difference was is that we were getting the ball back so much quicker in, in the first half. Yeah. Like, give it away, get, get it straight back. Whereas we weren't doing that in the second half. And I don't know... Yeah, it, the only que- question I'd have is that if he is more of an, an advanced player uh, further up the pitch, does that um, challenge Alcaraz a little bit? Yeah, and you've got to look at Aribo as well when he comes back. I still think it's a good signing for depth. Absolutely. Uh, and that... Brings me to another point, Kev, about the fixture congestion that uh, you brought up. Uh, if we do manage to get through that fourth round tie against Watford, uh, what is it? We have seven games uh, between the 10th of Feb and the 2nd of March. So that's 22 days. So we are going to need all of that squad and, and hope that we don't have any injuries. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a lot of rotations in there. And um, you've got to hope that some of the players that are injured now will be coming back. So we're going to need everybody for that, that, that push. So Rothwell, in that sense perfect signing and you know the transfer window is not shut yet yeah i mean i'm still confused by it you know i thought um we'd be bringing in a winger that's what the rumors that have been going around and um russell martin's outright said that he wants a replacement for maiden teller um calls for uh, another striker maybe just in case adams does go out the door um so yeah very unexpected and uh, like you said it does put Alcaraz's um, position into question for the time being at least uh, and until we get those uh, uh that, that run of fixtures where everyone's going to play their part yeah he didn't play a part at all yesterday did he Alcaraz so again not starting no. not, get, not getting any minutes so, at all. So, yeah I mean Stu, Stu, Stu came off and um, Rothwell came on um, so yeah that, that Alcaraz would have the sub had Rothwell not been there, so yeah. very true, very true. Little tiny bit of news we've got Lewis Mahoney who's come in as our new set piece coach. If you remember, that, um, what's his, I can't even remember his name. Uh, is it Andreas Georgson who, who came in for a little bit, uh, to be our set piece coach? Um, and he's left to take up a full time coaching job. Um, so Lewis Mahoney has now come in as a set piece coach. Um, and Scott Waters, our head of tactical analysis, has left at the club after more than a decade, over 500 games of service. So, yeah, good luck uh, to, to Scott. Will, Lewis Mahoney, new set-piece coach. Do you know anything about him? I know a little bit, yeah. Um, so I think it, I think you could jump to a conclusion on this one, um, and I think people have because he was at Swansea for a bit. Um, but he Shock. Was, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he was, um, you know, he spent most of his career um, uh, at Bristol Rovers. Yeah, he's at Bristol Rovers, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, his, I think his Twitter picture is still him and his uh, Bristol Rovers gear. So that's going to yeah, have to change. <laughs> he was there for three and a half years as a performance analyst. Um, mm. So I think the interesting one about this, if you go back to his role at Swansea, uh, where he was uh, working with the academy there. He was an academy analyst, but he also had two uh, stints there as a, as an intern. So this is really, like, he cut his teeth at Swansea, and I, and I get the feeling that he's a real up-and-coming kind of, um, you know, analyst. Uh, he'll be really important going forwards, and I think he's probably somebody that Russell Martin would have um, said about to, um, to to the club, about someone to keep their eye on. And I, and I think that, you know, we get really excited about up and coming, um, uh, you know, players, but we should also get excited about up and coming staff to have within the organisation. You know, I know that Joe Shields was like a loss and, you know, there's, yeah. there's all things that go around that. But, but you know, this guy could be really something in the future. And I think he's very, very qualified. I think he's a qualified coach as well. So All good. Well, we brought it up, see. We're trying to get some uh, some excitement over this. But, yeah, transfer window still open, of course. Um, there was a, a Friday presser, um, and Kev, he did say that he was still after that winger. Um, so th- th- there is still that. Um, it's also said as well that the club has turned down two bids for players. That's been confirmed. Um, but apparently it's not Kyle Walker-Peters. Um, so I, I do want to just read out what, Russell Martin had said um, and he says we have had honest conversations I don't think anybody is desperate to leave the club we have had interest in players from this window but it has been shot down immediately by the player because they want to be part of it here I think a lot of people think the best thing is to get to the Premier League together and see where this style of football can take us I spoke to Kyle and I also know his agent very well Jason Wilcox speaks to agents a lot uh, but I have worked with Kyle's before. There have been no conversation about him wanting to leave. Everyone agrees he's in such a good place. It would take a lot of money to prize him away from here. So that's the best bit of news we could have hoped for. Because when I saw this news come out, I think it was Wednesday morning I saw this news, uh, that Chelsea were in talks with Kyle Walker-Peters. I almost threw my phone because I was like, oh, here we go again. Fuck yeah. Yeah, but um, that is the best best possible response we could have had for that just to shot to shoot that down right away good reassurances i think it's interesting the cole peters thing if you think about everything that points that's kind of pointed towards him leaving it's all quite circumstantial so there was an article that was uh made up about wouldn't cole peters be a great addition to chelsea that's where it started and it was like i can't remember uh which which uh, publication it was but there was nothing like saying that, that you know Pochettino was definitely after him. It was just like, wouldn't he be a great addition? And then I well, think we start from that. That's how it happens. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, Cole Capita's changes his Instagram, and everyone loses their shit. I think I think it's all quite cir- circumstantial. And Russell M- Martin even said something along the lines of, he can change, he can do a new Instagram reel every week if he plays like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I would. He said it. He said I, I would. <laughs> I would put uh, an Instagram reel every two minutes of play or something like that if I was Kai Walker-Peters because he is that good. But yeah, it's, it's true. It's And I, I'm surprised, Will, that no one actually came in for him in the summer because oh. we, hit, we, we, we were talking about, you know, we, we had Alcaraz, we had obviously James Ward-Prowse and Tino Leveramento, uh, Che Adams was there as well. And we just thought all these players are going to go. One of the people that I really didn't want to see go was Kai Walker-Peters and there was no bids that we knew of. 
so that was surprising. And again, the, the window comes around and it's the first thing you think of, that we're going to lose those players. But still here, no bids, still yeah. wants to be here. I think people know that there's a realistically, like his, his price tag is going to be like high. Yeah, he's, he's, a, st- he's still under contract. It's not it's not a Shay Adams uh, uh, situation, is it? No, he's he's a brilliant player. He's he's absolutely amazing. I think like yeah. in in the in the podcasts that I've you know I've listened to every podcast that you guys have done this season, and I think you know he comes up as like man of the match most games. You know he comes up as a potential, if not given yeah. man of the match, he's like in contention. I don't think he's had a bad game this season, and uh, and I think. You know, he was a core member of the of the team last season. That, as Russell Martin puts it, you know they they took they had one of the worst years of their life, and uh, and you know he's stuck with us. And I think like if he goes, it'll it'll be because someone's paid the right amount of money. And I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't you know wish him ill at all. I think like he's been a brilliant brilliant player for us. But if we could keep him, <laughs> I think it'd be amazing. If and, we don't, if we don't keep him, I mean, well, and let's just say that we don't, we don't get promoted. He's gone, right? And you have to let him go. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm sure he'd go. You know, he's one player that because we don't want to get ahead of, ahead of ourselves. But if we did get promoted this season, like he's a he's a, a dead cert to be in the starting eleven. Yeah, he's a proven Premier League player, and but not not forgetting that he came from Spurs where he was not playing. And not getting so, the time, yeah. I think Kyle yeah. Walker was over him, wasn't he, at that point? Kyle yeah, exactly. Walker and Kyle yeah. Walker, he is, yeah. So, you know, he does know what it's like to sit on a bench in, in a big club. And he, he's done that. He's been there, done that. And I think his best mate is Deli Ali, uh, is, And so he'll take a lot from... Like, <laughs> yeah, don't Deli do Ali's. what he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I think I think he'll learn a lot uh, from, from having a friend like that. It's just that these, you know, the players... How much do they listen to their agents and a what are the agent, agents thinking? You know, so yeah, it's a difficult one. But I just really hope we keep him just alongside, you know, Che as well. I, th- I think if we could keep those those players, we would be in with a good good shout for promotion this year. Absolutely, yes. Um, there there is one player that we've got in uh, under sixteen. Cameron Frederick has joined from uh, from Reading. Uh, so there's there's one in. Uh, no more out yet, uh, and no more. Kev, uh, have you got any news on uh, any more potential incomings, outgoings? Nothing that I've heard so far. Keep it as it is. Everything's working. Um, I just want to touch on some some loanees, or a loanee, uh, to be specific, Lewis Payne, Newport County. Uh, of course, his Newport side, they, they dumped out his former team, Eastleigh, uh, the FA Cup, so he can look forward to playing against Man United uh, next week. Um, and actually, Newport's league form is actually very good. They're unbeaten in seven. Not quite 21, but I mean, who's is? Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's doing he's doing quite well. There is one thing I think is worth noting is that the last two promotion uh, seasons that we've had, you know, that that we have strengthened in January, um, and and it is critical to a promotion season. You know, if you go back to the last time we were promoted from the Championship, we we signed Billy Sharp, uh, Jos Hoyveld, Tanari Lee, and Jason Punchin came back off a loan. Um, All in January. No- it was all January, yeah, and we had no major outgoings that year. We'd lost mm. uh, uh, Oxley Chamberlain in the summer, but no, no, nobody really went out in January. I think if you look at this year, you know, we've had so many players go out at the beginning, before the season. It's a huge, it's ripped the heart out of the team. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and yet we're doing really well. And I think when you then look at um, the League One promotion season, we brought in Gulli de Prado in yeah. January. 
there was a few others that came in, like Danny Ngessi and Dave Dale Stevens, who weren't as impactful, I don't think. No, um, definitely but, not. <laughs> but we had absolutely no major outgoings in the summer before. So, you know, I think uh, it's kind of a bit unprecedented because we we haven't been in a good position when we've ha- had like so many, the, the exodus, as they call it, you know, before. I think, uh, though, we were slightly worse off the, the year that we got promoted from the to the championship, though. That's that season that we brought all those players in. I think we weren't doing as well as we are now in the league, though. So I think the the, the, the focus was to strengthen the squad then. But whereas now, I don't think there's any need to strengthen unnecessarily and panic by. It's more of a case of not losing players, I think. And that, but, yeah. But it, I, I think the realist the, the realism now is that we might lose some players. So, we, you know, we have to be ready. Yeah, I'm sure they are. They know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we're going to lose any players, it should be um, some of the players. Um, we've got a whole squad out online practically, haven't we? And we seem to forget that, that our squad is extremely bloated. Realistically, I don't expect half of those to come back. Mm. You've got the likes of Raymond Perro, you've got uh, Amal Bella Kotchap, you've got Duya Gillette Sar. None of them are going to be in a Saint shirt ever. Anuachu. Anuachu. yeah. <laughs> You're never going to see those guys again. Under 21s, they haven't played yet. So their next game is on Wednesday, the 24th of January at the Snow Stadium. They play Celtic in the Premier League International Cup. Uh, and the women, uh, they uh, they are playing in the league today against Watford, uh, return to St Mary's. Um, and also because of their uh, fourth round FA Cup victory at Sunderland. They then enter the fifth round against Man United. Yeah, good luck to them. Um, okay, then we go into the Swansea game, uh, going in chasing that record uh, against the Swansea side who have won their previous three home games uh, under the new new head coach Luke Williams. First league game at Swansea since 2018. That, uh, that game where Gabbiadini secured our safety, and we're looking to do. The first double on Swansea for the first time since 2016. And it's just 25 days after our Boxing Day route. Um, but yes, three points secured, 20 league games unbeaten and back up to second place. Thanks to goals from Shay Adams, Will Smallbone and birthday boy Flynn Downs. Flynn Esther. It wasn't all plain sailing, uh, but we had to endure a comeback of sorts from Swansea. Uh, we let in a goal at 2-0 down. Uh, sorry, we let in a goal at 2-0 up. Um, they hit both posts uh, in a matter of minutes, but no real drama. <laughs> it was all fine. Uh, Will, an unchanged side from the bashing of Sheffield Wednesday last week, um, meaning that Russell Martin, Ryan Manning and Flynn Downs all featuring against their old club. It's great to see an unchanged side that's playing so well. Absolutely. And I kind of had a thought uh, in the first half when I was watching is that, um, you know, 20 games ago, we kind of solidified our defence. I think that's when I, you know, our defence coming together was a massive part of, of this this run that we're on. And I, and I feel like very quickly that front three of like uh, Adam Armstrong, Fraser and Adams is starting to mature in a kind of similar way. Um, so, I, I'm, you know, for me, that's really exciting because that we could have that kind of, you know, settled lineup that that are performing really well, that, that all know what they're doing. Um, and even though that there's other players getting their cameos, I just, you know, think that it's a it's a great thing as a club to have that. Yeah, I've been thinking about that actually, Will, as well, because um, Kev, you're like this, but I, I seem to think I don't mean any disrespect to Samadozi or, or Kamaldin Sulemana, but do you remember at the start of the season when, when we were well when we were winning these games and we were starting this run? Um, we were still winning games, but we weren't winning them massively like we have been just recently, and we were struggling in that final third. You know, we'd get the ball, we'd recycle it 
backwards and forwards. So I was not being able to find that cutting edge. Our, always, we say on the show that it was never, it was never solid. It was never comfortable. We didn't score enough goals. That seems to have changed since Ryan Fraser has started to play well. Just adding that little bit of, you know, creativity up the final third. And I, I, as I say, I don't mean any disrespect to, to Suleiman or, or Adozi because it, since they've gone out, it seems to have clicked. It, it's all about Ryan Fraser, Kev. <laughs> um, it can't all be about Ryan Fraser, can it? Because, yeah. you know, we were good when uh, Suleiman and Adozi were in the team. You know, this this uh, run that we're on now, it's, it's a very long run and they were part of it at the beginning. But, yeah, I mean... But scoring more goals now. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, we're, we're just destroying teams. It, we're just like a, a bulldozer charging forward with uh, no breaks. And, and that um, starting eleven, uh, I think, you know, most Saints fans would agree that that is the strongest eleven that, that we can put out there. And, uh, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't listen to Resmus, Resmus Hankerson. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a question mark over their styles clashing because both Martin and Williams, they know each other so well from their days at MK Duns. Um, there was a worry. I mean, I, I guess, Will, you were watching on Sky Sports as well, but they were saying, I think it was Gareth Ainsworth and Nathan Dyer in the studio, um, that, that they hinted that there could be a, a clash of styles here and we might see a stalemate, but it was the complete opposite. I think that um, that there was the potential for that, but... I don't. I didn't see it. Like not in the first half. I think the second half almost was a bit more like that. But the the first half, you know, they couldn't get the ball. I think before we scored our goal, we had ninety percent possession. Yeah. And uh, that that stat came up. You know, I, I uh, m- maybe they were trying to do that. We're just better at it than they. We've got better players as well. You know, so certainly do. Yeah, big difference. But yeah, Kev, it didn't take long, did it? Six minutes. Shea Adams, great work from Stu. Shea there for the rebound. Eight for the season. Uh, on a hot streak now, isn't he? Third, third game in a row that he scored, and that's his fifth goal in the last six. Um, so, yeah, what a start that was. It's become a bit of a cliche, hasn't it? But um, whenever there's a transfer window on or coming up, uh, yeah, he always seems to, to, to find <laughs> the right gears. Um, but, it, I mean, it's all on um, Stu, isn't it? All that, that wrestling and turning in, yeah. in the box that created the goal. Yeah, his movement. His running is, yeah, it's excellent. I love it when he's in that sort of mood. But, Will, the, the, the chances did keep coming and, and possession was yielding chances. I mean, Adama was close a few times, wasn't he? And Fraser had about three shots in, in the opening 15 minutes. So um, it, it, it certainly was coming. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, I was. I started trying to write down the chances and then I gave up. We had a lot of chances, a lot of efforts. But I think, you know, not to jump ahead, but I think... I think like there is a game plan with Fraser taking shots like he is because uh you know they they he he kind of gets into that position quite a lot on on the kind of edge of the box you know as, as you're looking at the goal on the left you know where he's where he's cut in and uh he's really good at, at shooting to that back post uh like that's a that's kind of like a muscle memory shot that he's got but what it does is it also you, know, you start to condition the defenders to think you're going to go for that. So then when he does something exactly. different, yeah, you know, that they're just not expecting it, which is, uh, you know, leads us ahead to another to, to the future events in the game. But you know, like I think, I think it's part of the game plan. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. He's creating more chances with with Ryan Fraser in the team. He's just that little bit more direct. You give him the ball, and he's going to have a shot. He's going to cut inside and and take those shots. And you know, a dozy certainly won't be shooting like that, but. 
but yeah, and we did we did score a second, twenty minutes, um, carving them open with ease, and pretty much walked it in, as, as you say. But yes, Kev, it was offside, but who gives a shit because we deserved it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, fair play to Smallbone for timing this run well to, to pick yes, up that. At, that at least someone timed um, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that, that's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm judging a lot of players on now is um, you know because we're getting the ball into the box so much more. Um, seem to just run it to the line, cut it back, and hope that somebody's there. So yeah, whenever whenever there is a well turned run, I just um, yeah, just gives me a little bit of a semi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we still had more chances at that point, and I, I don't know how Adam Armstrong never scored. Uh, Stu was on the ball so much, and his movement was just causing problems all the time. Um, letting Rushworth off the hook really because he was so busy, and it was right there that we could have been four 0 up. And, you know, it didn't look like we'd have any problems closing this game out. Uh, we were actually getting Olays when passing the ball on 35 minutes. Yes. Just, just toying yeah, yeah. with them. They were so quiet, weren't they? Yeah. But then, <laughs> I have never seen a goal quite like that in terms of being completely against the run of play and so undeserved. But, I mean, the Swansea got there's so much going on here. A possible offside, possible penalty. Firstly, though, the, the cross from Apple. Ashby was yeah, the, the, the cross from Ashby was was excellent, and Bazunu made a hash of it. Doesn't get the ball, but gets all of low. Um, it eventually falls back to Patterson, and he knocks it in. What a mess up, though, Will, and completely against the run of play. Yeah, totally against the run of play, but I probably slightly disagree with you about uh, Bazunu, to be honest. Um, I, I think well, that... but, but before before you do, I mean, I'm not going to go completely on him. I just think he's entitled to go for that ball. And if he doesn't go for that ball, I'm going to question why he didn't. I think he would have got his glove to it had it not been for the handball, though. It was it was heading past the player to where his glove was. Uh, and if it, you know, it had gone past the player's head. Uh, and and yeah, I think I think if there was no handball, Bazoo saves that. Uh, and so. I actually think then it's what happens after that. There's there's plenty of players in the box. It's not about desire getting back into the you know six yard area and all that. It's just the marking's terrible. Uh, you know, they, it is a good cross for the for the header for the actual goal, but fantastic uh, cross. Yeah, it was I, uncited I as well. Yeah, I just think they you know with the defenders that were there, they could have done better. And and I'm not you know I'm not a defend Bazunio at all costs. Uh, type, but you know, I I don't think it was his fault, honestly. No, I I think they did catch us with our pants down a little bit, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm with Will on this one. Uh, I don't think it's his fault, and you know, he gets a good save for that first shot. Um, uh, yeah, I thought he had quite a good game. I do. I thought he picked it up. I think the, you know, second half was some of the chances that they had in the second half, and some of the saves that he made were, were, were outstanding, and it kept us. You know that two-goal lead because of him. So yeah, he was he was still good. I, I don't yeah. And as I say, if he didn't go for that cross, I mean he's he is entitled to go for that ball. His eyes were on the ball the whole time. He had no uh, desire or anything to collide with Lowe. There was no never any doubt that he did that. You know just to to take him out. But uh, yeah, it just uh, it was just unlucky in the end. But uh, the, the the third goal came moments after Flynn Downs, best of the bunch. Um, it took took a little bit of a deflection, but it, it doesn't matter because you know it was a great hit, it was clean, 
um, it was it's a great way to spend your birthday, really, wasn't it? And that uh, two goal advantage secured and his first goal for the club. So yeah, excellent strike. I can't believe it's his first goal for the club. When they said that, I thought they'd make it made a mistake. <laughs> I I feel like he's, uh, but it's probably because of how integral he's been, and he's not like he's he's been integral to everything that we do. And I just think, uh, you know, well, a totally well deserved goal. Great that happened on his birthday. You know, he must be absolutely buzzing. I've, I've, I know a few people that know him, uh, and you know, they say he's a really, really good guy. He loves it at Southampton. He's he seems a, it. Yeah, he seems it. He's... Best, best time of his career is what I've, what I've been hearing. You know, he's loving it that much, and so I just think he's, uh, he's just made for this team, isn't he? Absolutely. Oh made God, for it. I think he's integral to it, to our plans, and in, in the future as well. I just think we need to get him on, on permanent. It, I, I know it's not the same, but it kind of reminds me when Saints back in the day when they got people like Jack Hawkin on loan, uh, also a yeah. player, uh, and people like Richard Chaplow that we got in on loan back in the day. And it was like these yeah. are the sort of players that we need to keep on a permanent. Flynn Downs for me is the same sort of breed. He, he just we need to keep him. We need to keep hold of him. And I, I would love to to have him back next season in the Premier League. <laughs> totally agree. And Fraser. And Fraser, of course, yeah. I think the only thing with that is about what happens at West Ham. It's not about yeah. what happens at Southampton. If there's a change of manager and somebody likes the look of him and, uh, you know, but I don't see that there's going to be a change of manager and he's not in the plans. He's a West Ham fan. You've got to remember, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we should have gone in three or four up, but three one. It was surprising. Um, surprising in the sense that they managed to get one because, you know, you're looking at these halftime stats, Kevin, 17 shots to their two. Uh, 10 of which were on target, mm. 350 passes, an amazing 70% possession, not quite up there in the 90, but we, we had the most shots, most touches in an opponent's box, most possession um, in any half of any championship game this season. It was total, total domination. Yeah, 17 shots, 10 on target. Um, yeah, it's, that, that's mental. It is. It was, yeah. And then, you know, it happened after the break wheel. Um, yeah. I mean, is there any chance that Martin told them to ease off? You know, think about Watford next week. Don't no push chance. the boat out. Don't commit to nah. moving forward. Don't go searching for a fourth. Just keep them out. No chance. So what no happens? I think it's... Uh, so just like when you look at the first half, you know, there was just such a uh, big gap between... Uh, I think I said earlier, you know, you know when, when Cole Capita's got the ball in about 46 minutes, you know, uh, the, the tracking back by Jamal Lowe and the attackers was really, really poor. They totally lacked aggression. They, you know, you compare that to uh, whenever it was, I think, um, early in the first half is when we took that professional foul. Uh, Howard Bellis you yeah. know, took that yellow. Uh, I think that's absolutely necessary. That establishes, you know, the dominance, establishes, you know, we are, we're not going to let you play in all sorts. Whereas, uh, you know, they just didn't have that. They didn't have that aggression at all. Uh, our aggression, maybe because... We were a bit more tired in the second half, you know, dropped off. But there's definitely, but they had a long way to improve. So they they improved a lot. They did, uh, yeah. That that I goes on Luke Williams, doesn't it? He, yeah, definitely. But I don't think we were flawless in the first half. I think that you know we did give the ball away a few times where I thought, wow, you know, what what are we doing there? Um, I think Rushworth had an amazing game, like in that first half. Uh, and I was thinking. You know, at, at the end of that first four minutes, that maybe there was about four or five, six maybe players that could have been man of the match at that point. Yeah. Um, I, 
Yeah, well, we'll get to the second half. I, I don't think that was the same in the second half. Kev, you having a bath? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? I can hear something in the background, so it sounds like bath. No, it's outside. The, there's like a whole gang of them um, clearing up the snow. Ah, oh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, second half was was complete contrast and everything seemed to dip, including my concentration. Um, I, I said on the Discord at halftime it was the best half of football I can remember, um, certainly in terms of entertainment, but the second half. Uh, Kevin, is it fair to say that we were just poor? Can you just say flat out we were, we were crap? Yeah, we were crap and um, and Swansea were good. Yeah. It, it's... I mean, it was uh, too little too late, but they, they, yeah, we were really under attack. They, they had a, a barrage of, uh, of chances that... Um, we somehow managed to deal with. Um, yeah, I was really worried um, throughout that second half because it, all it takes is just that one uh, one goal, and you know they're shy of, only one goal shy of an equaliser, and um, yeah. the momentum's behind them. We we would be slightly deflated by it, and they could come away with the draw or even a win. Can you imagine if we had a draw in this game? After that first half performance, to come away with a three-all draw would have been absolutely devastating. But yeah, Taylor Harwood-Bellis comes off. Um, yeah. Stephen, Stephen comes on on his stay. Uh, yellow card yeah. is, was, was the reason. Um, yeah. And, and the, Stevens needs minutes as captain, right? Yeah, exactly. He does need minutes. And, you know, there's, there's always Watford to consider as well. I mean, you, you, you replace Taylor Howard-Bellis with a player like Jack Stevens when you're 3-1 up. It's not an issue, is it? It's really not. Um, but he didn't Shouldn't come, be. No, he didn't come off too well. Uh, Will, I mean, you hinted mm. it at the start when you said you were a substitute for, for Tim and you said, let's hope you're not, you're not, you're not a Jack Stevens. So I'm <laughs> guessing your thoughts on Stevens um, and his minutes, uh, the way that we're using him, uh, he was guilty of gift, gifting him a chance or two. Uh, not the greatest performance. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, this was a bad game for him. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think that every, every game that he's had has been bad. I think that, uh, you know, he, yeah, he, he did really well for Bournemouth last season. He was he was a great player for them. Uh, he's got that you know Premier League experience, and he, you know if you compare it, his career to to Taylor Howard Bellis, he should be the better player. You know you would if you were just looking at stats. Uh, but you know he's clearly not. He came, he came on. He clearly wasn't up to that uh, to that level, uh, which is worrying because you know he's a big part of the team. Uh, but yeah, he just was. I think you know what, what, that that terrible pass that he made, and then that it wasn't even just that. It was afterwards he just looked completely lost. He wasn't tracking down any players. He wasn't closing anyone down that bit. He looked like really lost just for kind of 20 seconds after that terrible pass. Yeah, so, I, I think yeah. I think it's just a minutes issue with him, and he's not the, the team at the moment. It picks itself, doesn't it? The, 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 the starting lineup is, is so settled at the moment. You don't want to want to change that. And when you do change something as important as a centre back, especially with someone who needs the time, it's just going to take him a little while to get back into the swing of things. Um, but again, you know, you have to play him, and I, I do think we'll see him against Watford. Um, hopefully, he shows, yeah. you know, comes off a little bit better than he did there. Um, Kev, we had a penalty shout. Well, I mean, I say a shout. It looked like the officials completely missed it because. Um, uh, Jay Fulton, that's it. He, he trips Shay. Nothing doing. VAR would have sorted that, right? But you know, then they would have scrubbed out our seconds. So. Um, they, they would have a goal chopped off for offside or handball. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think it was that strong a penalty shot. Well, it was a trip against the against. You know, there wasn't even the ball wasn't even there. It's like what the flipping hell was he doing? It was just bizarre. Joe Rothwell. 
yeah, he got his debut. Um, I was excited to see him in action, but I'll be honest, I forgot he was playing. Um, as I said before, 21 minutes, limited action, only 13 touches. He gave the ball away uh, twice. Um, but it, like I said, it was at the point where the whole team was slumping. Uh, but Russell Martin has said there are there is plenty of film that we can show him to help him to fully understand what he wants from him. Um, and he said he will play against Watford. So to me, Will, that suggests that he's, he wasn't overly happy with Joe Rockwell's play, but he's not going to openly say, yeah, he was poor. Yeah, you have to, you know, I guess you have to look back to the beginning of our season and go, well, you know, it took a long time for the players to settle into this uh, this kind of um, system. And, he, and he's not an ex-Russell uh, Martin player, so he's not had the benefit of playing that system before. I, I think... I think he, Russell Martin's proven that, you know, what he was saying at the beginning of the season when everyone was thinking, wow, this is not going the way we want it to go, that, that you know, that, that it is a big change for players to play into this. And I think, you know, we have to we have to take that on board and say, you know, he's going to need time to, to fit into that. Whether, you know, whether he's adaptable enough to be able to get that for the next game or whether that's going to take a few games, I don't know. I, I remember when we, had, we first saw... Flynn Downs, I know, I know he was one of his ex-players and stuff like that, but um, uh, I, I remember when he first came in and he, he made a couple of bad decisions and gave the ball away a few times. And I thought, well, I don't know if he's going to if he's going to work. And then look at him now. He's just, you know, you wouldn't want to play a game without Flynn Downs right now. So yeah. we could see in that Watford game, he could have a major, massive uh, part. Um, so, yeah, he's going to need time and, and he's going to get it. Let's face it, he will. Um, but, yeah. As the second half wore on, it was just I, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on, to be honest. And we even resorted to the dark arts, didn't we? Because Mizunu was down feigning injury to waste time, something that we don't often see. Uh, just giving Swansea hope that I guess they shouldn't have had. Um, but they should have punished us totally in that second half. They, they played well enough and they created enough to get something out of this game wheel. And I yeah. guess if you looked at it from a Swansea point of view, they would say they were pretty wasteful. Oh, definitely. There was uh, some amazing saves by Pizzuni. Like he was, inc- he made some incredible saves in the second yes, half. He did. Uh, he yeah. he loved that pantomime villain thing, I think, because of the uh, <laughs> Jamal Lowen incident in the first half. That he was getting a lot of boos and stuff. So I think he thought, like, here's my opportunity to really wind the fans up as well. It was Patino that had just like such a good opportunity and. His shot was awful, absolutely awful. And I thought, wow, thank God for that, because I think that was like one of their best chances. There was, there was the saves from Bazunu, obviously, that, that, that were really important. On the other side, though, if I was to play uh, devil's advocate on this, uh, we did have a very close call with uh, with Shadams. I think if the ball, if that, if their keeper hadn't have uh, got his fingertips to it, you know, he, there was a tap in there for, for him. Yes, uh, I remember that, you know, yeah. We could have changed the game quite a lot. Uh, that was that was the forty seventh minute in the second half, actually. Mm. And then uh, there was there was a, that lovely dink that uh, Armstrong did, where he was he was through. He dinked it over the keeper and and then went through and did score, but it was disallowed. Obviously, the yeah. whistle was blown before that We're for offside. But you know, we so we, it's not like we weren't capable of doing anything. But I think that was about it. You know, like after that, it was was all Swansea, but. If we dominate a game for 70 minutes, say, and then they dominate for 20 minutes, we still should win on the run of play. You know, we should still be winning that game. Uh, but, you know, I thought early on, you look at our bench and you look at their bench, and I, and I saw some names on their bench that I thought, wow, you know, 
uh, Balassi and Balassi, Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah Alan, I thought, yeah. wow, you know, prime Balassi, prime Allen would, would have, you know, would have been, you know, had a far bigger effect on the game. But they still had a huge effect on the game when they came on. Yeah, Balassi they, did, yeah. Balassi was terrible in the 5-0. He came on and yeah. I thought, God, mm. what a shame to see a, what, what was a great player completely, you know, yeah. lost it. But he was he was really good. He was really good yesterday. Yeah, not good enough. But yeah, 103 year record broken. Uh, it, it's huge, and I'm I'm pretty sure we're never going to see a run like this again. Well, certainly not in my lifetime. So, drink it in. Um, Kevin, do you have any stats? Yeah, I've got some interesting uh, stats. If we look at just the first half compared to the second half. Oh yes. In the first yes. half, Fonzie uh, had two two shots, one on target. And we had 17 shots on target. Mm. That, that's just mental. And then uh, the second half, uh, they had 13 shots, four on target. We had four shots and not a single shot on target in that second half. That just goes to show, doesn't it? We were poor second half. Yeah. Yeah, massive, massive contrast. Um, we had an XG of 3.3, by the way, and Swansea had, a, had an XG of 2.2. So it just got, I mean, I don't know what the, the XG would have been in, in the first half, but I'm guessing it would have been 0.1 for them. And that was that was the goal, but yeah, just a complete turnaround. Yeah, I mean, it could have been so much closer, couldn't it? I mean, if they'd have taken mm. some of the chances they had, um, yeah, like Will mentioned, Balassi and um, Dino had some uh, a couple of chances again in the second half, but um, yeah, hit the hit the post twice in in um, quick succession. Yeah, really, really scary shit. But um, yeah, I think that scoreline definitely does lie, doesn't that three one. Yeah. I think, yeah, if they had nicked another goal, it probably would have been a, a fairer score than But, yeah, hey, how we march on? Hey, up to second in the table, uh, played 28, won 17, drawn 7, lost 4. Uh, 58 points now. Um, Russell Martin said, the first half in particular was one of the best halves I have been involved in as a coach. I completely agree. Um, it has been relentless work, and I'm really proud that they achieved that. Uh, they have been written into the record books but it will have more standing if we achieve what we want to achieve this season. Amazing in the first half, particularly. We watched the players in flow, the way they ran together. They were so aggressive off the ball. But in the last 20 minutes, we didn't mix the game up at all. We fell into the trap of just trying to play with no real purpose behind it. I would argue that it was the entire second half, really, uh, for that. But uh, man of the match, uh, Will, you can go first. This is really difficult. I think, like, the first half, there's, like I said earlier, there's about six players that it could be. Uh, and I would say that uh, in the second half that Bazzini was the man of the match like, yeah. for, that, for that half. But then on balance of everything, you know, uh, kind of like between Stu Armstrong and, and Flynn Downs, I think um, Stu Armstrong had, like, great goal involvements for us. He was, like, behind a lot of the good stuff we were doing in the first half. Uh, Flynn Downs, though, you know, he is the, he's got those kind of constant performing. Uh, he's really, really like great. It's his birthday. He he, he got his first goal, so I, I'm going to have to give it to Flynn Downs. Good stuff, uh, Kev. I know you like to um to to play off everybody else's man of the matches and go go with the, the different I, option. But I really go... do. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Well, I, I'll go next then. I'm going to go the other way to to you, Tim. Uh, Tim, fucking hell. Will. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Um, I'm going to go Stuart Armstrong just because, I mean, I thought he was everywhere. Just in that yes. first half, though. Um, he, he played a vital role in those first two goals. Uh, he, he nearly, every, nearly every chance we created in that half was because of him. 
Um, they just didn't know how to handle his movement uh, for a 30 year old as well. <laughs> um, two assists as well. Most shots, two shots on target. Just, yeah, another great game. So, uh, Stu, man of the match for me. Yeah, uh, this, this week's man of the match has gone, uh, you know, I, I'm a bit of a coward. So I like to, like to hold up until the end and um, see what everyone else has said. Because um, I had three candidates and I couldn't choose between them. And it's just um, worked out perfectly. You've chosen uh, two of them, and, uh, Flynn Downs and uh, Stuart Armstrong. Uh, so I'm going to give the... the for the final applaudit to Baza because uh, I think he really saved us games in that second half. Hey, three man of the matches. Three different men. Men of the match, man of the match. And, you know, yeah, but we haven't, we've only really given it to Baza a couple of times this season, so I think he deserves a bit more credit because he's improved yeah, so a, much. There's a really good season. fucking reason for that, Kev. <laughs> I love how much you hate him. I love how much oh, you I, hate him. No, I don't yeah, hate him. Yeah, I don't yeah, hate him. No, I don't hate him. I just don't understand how... Shea Adams gives the ball away once and the fans are on his back. Gavin Bazunu gives away about 20 goals a season and nobody gives him anything for it. Um, he's just got such a long leash uh, and I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Uh, you look at the, the, the shit that um, Alex McCarthy gets. Yes, it's, it's but un- I think there's, there's a, you know, how deep do you want to go with this? I mean, <laughs> I think when you look at, uh, from a psychological perspective, is that sometimes people go way too overboard with him. He gets some, like, abuse, like some real abuse. I would never, ever abuse him. I would no, never no, go to a game and shout abuse at him because that is just people, not me. I won't do that. I, I, just, do. I just use it on the podcast instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what if he listens? It's not fair. Uh, no, like, I think I think like to be balanced about it, you know, he does he has made mistakes. Uh, I think that I, you know, I've listened to a lot of different perspectives on him. I think that some people are, like are looking for him to make a mistake. They're looking, they want him to make a mistake almost because they then they get to like go off. Oh, I told you it was crap. But like he is definitely gonna be a top keeper. Like he is definitely gonna be like a really really top keeper. You don't often get keepers performing like this at such a young age. You know, you just the last ones I can think of. You know, Joe Hart. He was he was older than this when he was when he came into his own, and you don't really see it. And I think yeah, he's been a Premier League keeper. He is like performing in a team that's performing really well. He's integral to the team, and uh, and and but yet some people are just looking for to 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 get on his case again. And I, I, I think when you like, say some people, are you including me in this? I think that you are, have a disposition where you think that where, where, you know, you're looking maybe for the mistakes and being a bit harsher than than you, than you could be. Uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So I'm not trying to change your tell you to change your opinion. But uh, I think whereas other people, you know, uh, when you're thinking about the long term and how good he is now and how good he could be, the fact that, he, you know, he's got. You know, five, six years to till he's in his prime. I think I think he could be amazing for us. I think he could be like credible. Yeah, and he's put in a position to foul. He certainly was last season. Last he was, season, yeah, definitely. He was in the position. He was in a Premier League side that was giving away too many goals, and he was always going to be on. He was never going to succeed in that position. But I will say, if we had have had Fraser Forster, then I don't think we would have conceded as many goals. I'm not saying we would have stayed up, but I, I just think. It's not his fault, by the way. I'm not. And when he makes yeah. a good save or when he does something well, I want to be the first one to say how great he was. Um, 
because I think it's only fair that, that we do that. But uh, yeah, as I say, I think he was put in a position to fail last season. And this season, because we're playing so well, I don't think his mistakes are getting magnified as much. Uh, but he's, he's still going to make mistakes. I think yeah. he's a brilliant shot stopper. I mean, you, some of the saves he made in that second half are brilliant. When you push one onto the post, you uh, push one over the bar. He does his job when there's a ball, when there's a shot like that. It's just when the ball's at his feet and he's being pressed, and when he has to think about it, when he's not going off reaction, he makes mistakes. And that's what's going to cost us. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, all, all I think is like a balanced kind of balanced look at it. I th- the, the other player that I think gets a lot of stick that maybe shouldn't do is uh, Sikumara. I think... Mm-hmm. He's so young. He's so young. Like, yeah. like we're, we are so lucky to have young players that are doing as well as they are. I think him, like Shay Charles and, and others. He, you know, Charles is so, going to be a great player. He is going to be great. Definitely. He's so good with the ball. But they, they have their shortcomings and that they're yeah. going to have to build. They're going to have to work on those. You know, we, we have a choice to make. Do we get like, you know, we, do we put Lumley in who's like much more established and, you know, he's shown that he can be quite good. He was quite good when he came in the other day. Uh, but, you know, or do we develop Gav Bazunu to be like our, our out-and-out number one who could be here for years? That's what they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. I think it, yeah. as long as Russell Martin's here, that's his plan. He's going to keep keep sticking with him. And I don't disagree with it. I just think that at that time in the Premier League, it's not what we needed. We didn't have no. time for, for a goalkeeper like that. But... But you know it, it's 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 done. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, definitely a game of two halves, wouldn't it? Because I mean, I wouldn't have said that Bazuni would have been man of the match in that first half, but the second half he was he was the reason that we didn't lose the game or didn't draw the game. But the first half, I think there was a lot of standouts, like you said. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm um yeah, I'm happy. Three different players getting man of the match. Uh, get, yeah, getting man of the match for, for us. So that's good. The first first half, Bazza didn't have anything to do, did he? Well, he had a he had a uh, one save. Yeah, well, and the goal, which. Yeah, where you look at it, but yeah. that, that was the one save <laughs> in the lead up to the goal. Yeah, I think someone's right. cam- and that goal shouldn't have stood anyone. Someone's cameras on, by the way. <laughs> oh, it's Kevin. Oh, is that me? Yeah, he's got his dick out. You ah! see the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the only dick I've seen with a quiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you see me? I could. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that many dicks, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Not since your stewarding days at St Mary's. Yeah, I saw a lot of dicks, especially when Pompey came to town. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, South Coast Derby's did you steward for them? Just one, I think. That's enough. That yeah, we, we had to kick out a particular Pompey fan that's quite well known for pissing all over the seats. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, I'm not even going to give him any credence for mentioning his name. Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, so our FA Cup run continues. We're off to Vicarage Road for a fourth round tie with Watford. Uh, they themselves are on a good run, actually. They haven't tasted defeat since Boxing Day. They're sitting in ninth in the championship. Uh, they'll be pushing for the playoff, no doubt, which as it stands, uh, they're only three points off that. Very, very tight in the championship. I do love this league. Um, tough side to play. Uh, we went there in early December, if you remember. We took the lead through through Shea Adams, but conceded six minutes into injury time for the 1-1 draw. Uh, but this is in the cup. Different mentality. Um, and in the third round, they played National League's Chesterfield at Vicarage Road, and they struggled. 
They were a goal down and eventually came back to secure their fourth round entry in the 95th minute. I guess they might not be planning their assault uh, for the FA Cup. They might be more interested in a playoff spot. But then you could say the same with us, really. Are we going to be throwing all our eggs in the league and, and take our eye off the ball in the FA Cup? But uh, Will, I've got to call you Tim again then. Jesus Christ. Uh, how how do you feel about, about Watford? Oh, I wish I could do a Tim accent. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> this soccer game will be so great and it'll be 5-0. No, uh, sorry. <laughs> I think uh, this we we're definitely going to be playing a kind of more of a squad team. You know, we we know already that Rothwell's going to be playing. Uh, I'd assume that Jack Stevens is going to get game. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably assume that they would like rest Fraser. Uh, maybe they'd give players like Dibling a go. But I Sam also Amo, think Amayor as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and and, and yeah. Lumley possibly. Yeah, yeah. I, lovely, almost definitely, actually. I do think that Russell Martin has, has learned a couple of times this season that when you change things too much, it's it's to our detriment. And I don't think that he will want to, you know, I, I don't think he'll want to risk it so much that, you know, it'll be a likely loss. I think he'll probably, you I, know, I, not I want to change it too much. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think he'll go with a core. I think, he, apart from the goalkeeper, I think he'll go with Taylor Howard, Bellis, Kyle Walker-Peters still. I think he, he, he'll go with Flynn Downs and I think he'll go with Adam Armstrong. The rest is all up in the air, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, it's not just... We don't need to uh, rest flares as much as if we had a game midweek as well. We don't have a game midweek, so... No, that's uh, coming up in February, isn't it? The, the, the run of seven games in 22 days or whatever it is. So, yeah, you are right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think we'll, we'll see a weaker bench, which is an interesting one because, like, I, I felt the bench was weak anyway uh, when I looked at the Swansea game, definitely compared to their, their bench. Their bench looked stronger than ours. Mm. Uh, so, but then what, what are Watford going to do? I think, you know, they, their, their season should be focused on getting into the playoffs. Uh, they're less comfortable... Uh, in in their position, uh, we're we but but then we're focused on automatic operations. So, you know, when I look at their squad and I see the uh, you know the Wesley Hoot, the uh, Thomas, and the Ben Hamers and all that kind of stuff, you know, I, I wonder. I do wonder what's what's going to be. I, I think that uh, it could be a totally unknown. But I really hope we can keep that winning run going. I personally hate playing those teams in and around that sort of area, like the Hull, the Preston, the Coventry, the Watford. Those sort of teams, they're on the same sort of par. Um, I just think they're potential banana skins. Um, and they're solid, aren't they? They're they solid are, teams. yeah, especially at home. They're difficult to play against, and you ha- you really do have to come up with a solid game plan to help to over- overcome them. Um, so I am quite worried about this game, it has to be said. Kevin, are you in the same boat? <laughs> <laughs> you're comfortable with a win then yeah um, well okay well we'll do we'll do predictions then uh, shall we let you go first Will well you know I've got to change mine because you don't I, have uh, to no no it's alright I'll change it I think I, I think it's going to be tight uh, I don't see a, a 4 5 nil, and I would love it I would love it so much if it was because you could like play this recording back Look what Will said, but uh, my prediction for the Swan- the previous Swansea game, the uh, the uh, Boxing Day one, Boxing Day one was a one nil, and look what happened there. I, yeah. But I don't think I you think said we that let... Wednesday we were going to squeak it as well. Yeah, but you know this is uh, this is how I am. I, I'm a little bit like cautious. I think that uh, I'm going to go for a three two. I think it's going to be Will. I have get... to say that is completely 
you said one nil on the Discord, and now you're going yeah. three two. Wow, that's a complete change. I thought you were there's different ways nil. to struggle, though, isn't there? There's different ways. <laughs> there's like there's struggle in, in that like we're trying to break a team down and then we get a goal and then we hold on to it, or we struggle because we're not as solid as we're used to being, and so we do concede. So I'm going to go with three two. I still think there'll be one one goal in it for us, but yeah, three two. Okay. Um, Tim is going for a one nil. Um, it's me before you this week, Kev. This may surprise a few people, but I'm going for a loss. I just think that we are focused so much on the the league um, that this run has to come to an end at some point and it has to come crashing down. And I think going there Sunday afternoon, I think all the pressure's on us, really. And I just think that we're going to come unstuck. I can see us losing this game. So unfortunately, I'm going to go for a 2-1 loss. It could be a masterstroke as well, because that could put me to the top of the league. Because I'm, I'm assuming everyone's going for a, for a Saints win. So, so yeah. Yeah, Kevin. we haven't mentioned it so far, but um, you know that record isn't a club all-time record, right? We can still make an all-time record. I think it's 24. 24, isn't it? 24 yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, a few more wins, and um, yeah, I'm going to count the cup into that because you can't not you can't have that caveat like oh yeah, 24. Uh, we had uh, 24 unbeaten run if you don't count that cup loss against Watford um, yeah. no we don't want that yeah I don't see us going on so I think I, there, there might be a little bit of uh, rotation but um, because we've got a week between the fixtures um, I think he's going to have to put out a full strength side um, yeah I don't, don't see us absolutely dicking them but uh, 2-1 win for us uh, I think we can go home happy on to the discord then uh, four people going with a 3-1 Saints win, and they are uh, Kindly Platypus, Coastal Elite, Kinners, and Sir Tommy Belch. Uh, so, yeah, well done to all. Uh, Kurt Supple has a slender two-point lead over Tim Brucker. And actually, I have to say, Tim Brucker sent me a private message uh, after last week's show, and he confessed that the reason he is doing so well is because his son has been making his predictions all year. Uh, so, guys, we're getting beat by a 15-year-old lad. Uh, so his his name is Tommy. So if you're listening, Tommy, if you could give me some pointers, that would help. Or actually give Tim some pointers because he's right down there. So uh, that would be good. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe we should put Tim Brucker at the bottom of the table on no points and then put Tommy in on second uh, on 53. That might might be fair. Will, how are you getting on in the, in the Discord league now? You're I joined late, didn't I? You joined late. <laughs> yeah, you weren't you weren't there from the start and you're beating some people already. So you're you're climbing up. Well, they must be really shit then. I mean, like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, don't think I've actually ever got it. I think maybe I did get one right, one, but I usually get the Saints yeah, win. Saints win, yeah. Mm, yeah. So, so optimistic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, get your Watford predictions as soon as you can. Um, Tim Brucker and Tommy, yeah, get yours in as well, both of you. That'd be good. Uh, Super six round 30 was won by Dave Jones, not the Dave Jones. Well, it could be. I mean, I don't know. Um, and Anthony Dark on 13 points uh, and 31 is ongoing. Uh, but the leader is uh, Andrew Knight on 256. Uh, Kev, how are we doing on fantasy football? I'm not sure. I mean, because there's a, this was this the opposite of a double game week, isn't it? It's yeah. Um... Yeah, not yeah, one game just... week over two weeks, like a half game week, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, well, I've done quite well so far. Forty-seven points so far, and I've still got four players that are yet to play. Harry Tizard's still top. Um, he's the, got the best score so far. 
48 points and he's got uh, three players to play yet. But uh, yeah, Cole Palmer was captain. And that, that's quite a good move. Um, T. Bizzle has got uh, 38 points and again, uh, three players to come in. 32 points and um, most most of your players have not played. you got one, two, three, four, five, six players to come in. The big league, uh, Dan Buck's still top. He's uh, 25 points clear of Chris Bonner uh, in second, uh, who's just moved up into second place. 20 points behind him is Chris Ambridge. Super. Okay, yeah, this week, 41 points for me. That is not good. I've got a lot of zeros. One, two, three, four, five players didn't score me for anything. That's what we like, having on a lot of zeros. Absolute dog shit. Mm. Uh, I'm still languishing in third. <clears throat> um, languishing, um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I started well at the beginning of the season. I was roaring away with it, and then the wheels just fucking fell off. I must be the the Pompey of our league. Yeah, it's going to say um, a bit like them not up the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 102 points behind Tim Bracker in second. Um, yeah, T Bezel's still top. 2046 points. Fucking hell, there's no way I'm catching him. That's 140 point gap. Um, you're behind me. Usually, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you've got 90, 91 points to catch me. So there's a big gap between everyone at the top of the table. Right. Okay. Um, that is about it this week. Will, thanks very much for lending your expertise and telling your dildo stories and everything. Thanks for having me. Loved it. You definitely have to do this again. Uh, you can share some more of your stories. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of them. Definitely, yeah. Well, in the meantime, I'll sit on the bench, shall I? Yeah. Just, yeah just practice your swearing technique, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Was, Maybe I'll learn wasn't much swearing, wasn't it? Not yeah, no, it wasn't, actually. Yeah. Swear words, yeah. Oh, just before we, you know, before we end, then, like, fuck Pompey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. We like it. Okay, Um. so, yeah, uh, until next week. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up Southampton. Sports Social Podcast Network.